My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? And the name of the episode today is America on the move. There is a mass migration occurring in America. It actually started before COVID-19, but it's been accelerated by COVID-19. And oh, by the way, that is nothing new. We've talked about it a lot of times on this show, the Strauss-Howe generational theory that holds that about every 80 years, sort of paralleling the human life experience Every 80 years, and it, has, it only applies to the United States, it has to be a free market country, a free market representative republic fueled by popular sovereignty, that every 80 years, something cataclysmic happens. The American Revolution, 80 years later, the Civil War, 80 years later, World War II, and 80 years later, COVID-19. Noticing a pattern? And in each one of those situations, there has been a mass migration of people looking for, at times, free land or cheaper land or a new start, whatever the case may be. After the American Revolution, Americans headed west and south out to the Ohio River Valley. After the Civil War, the same thing. The westward migration started before the Civil War, but it was accelerated by the Civil War. Of course, after World War II, people left the cities and the farms for this new thing called the suburbs. And now, in the wake of COVID-19, and like I said, it predated COVID-19, people are simply looking for places where they can live with their families and enjoy the pursuit of happiness and prosperity. And it's not political, but it is an unmistakable observation that most of those people are moving from states like California and Illinois and New York, south of the Mason-Dixon line to Tennessee, Florida, Arizona, and of course, the great state of Texas, Republic there. Of. It is an interesting thing that is happening. It is undeniable that it is happening. And a few weeks ago, our guest today, Jonathan Leiter with Capstone Bank Tech, had a very interesting post about it. I've had a lot of fun on LinkedIn this week doing some experiments. It is, it is amazing to me that there are still Americans who think that they've been empowered to tell other free Americans what they can and cannot say. And for a certain group of people to object to anything political being on LinkedIn, I've got news for you. That is not new. I see political stuff on LinkedIn all the time. And I'll just get, let you in on a little secret. LinkedIn loves it when people are arguing about things on LinkedIn because it keeps you there on the site, which is what they want. But anyway, Jonathan had a very legitimate non-political post about this mass migration that is occurring in the cities and the states that are losing population and the cities and the states that are gaining population. And so in the context of banking, provides a tremendous opportunity for banks in those states. Now, I know 
in the digital age, you can take your, take your bank with you. When I left Ford Ord in March of 1989, the last thing I did was stop at Ford Ord Credit Union and close my account. There's no internet banking. There's no mobile app. What was I going to do? I, I've got to go to the credit union. I'll be back in four days. I had to close that account, and I moved everything back to San Antonio, Texas, Republic thereof. Well, today, people can take their bank with them, but I still think it's a tremendous opportunity for community banking brands as they get people in from other states. They're moving, so they'll have more money and more flexibility. It is an opportunity if you'll simply take advantage of it. So we're going to talk to Jonathan Leiter about that after the break. Uh, like I said, it's always, it's always fun to see really thoughtful posts on LinkedIn, but it was interesting this week seeing the reaction certain people have to certain kinds of posts on LinkedIn. And as, as King Solomon said many, many years ago, and is certainly true today, the thing that hath been done, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. We're going to go visit with Jonathan Leiter, and we're going to do it all right after this. For over 12 years, conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner, the flight delay, and without the expense report. This is the one and only Power Performance Podcast. He is the Senior Vice President at Capstone Bank Tech. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the Power Performance Podcast. Jason, thank you very much for having me. I'm glad that you were able to identify me on your I started by asking Jonathan to tell us about the work he does in the banking marketplace. Sure. So I lead the strategic partnership efforts out of Nashville for Capstone Bank Tech. And we are a fintech group focused on working capital solutions for community banks. We have designed a platform that allows community banks to lend to their small business customers on an accounts receivable basis. And I have the Capstone Bank Tech website right there in the episode description. It is the rarest of things, a fintech that actually has clients, employees, and, wait for it, results and revenue. It is not your, you know, fly-by-night cryptocurrency startup fintech that only has a LinkedIn profile and nothing else. And so their website is right there. I noted when I was talking to Jonathan in the pre-call that I'd seen a survey that showed that small business is one of the most admired industries in the United States right now. So this mass migration has a lot of impact on the work that he's doing. And even though I spoke at over 400 events on the subject of generational marketing and management, the fact that this mass migration is in fact very generational wasn't something I had really thought about until I talked to Jonathan. And so I asked him to tell us about that. Yeah, so I think that's obviously the object of today's conversation to kind of explore some of these demographic shifts and patterns and, and how COVID has impacted all of that. Um, let me segue into that just kind of off your comment about small business being the most admired kind of, kind of you know, engine of the country and, and how my business kind of plays directly into that. You know, working capital finance is a space that has historically been dominated by national and regional bank players. You know, the big banks have entire divisions built out and dedicated 
to receivables lending, asset-based lending, ABL light. And our business thesis is that community banks understand the opportunity in the space. They recognize the profitability. They see their competitors now getting involved, but oftentimes lack the technology, the personnel, and the resources to participate themselves. And that's what we solve for. We're, we're really trying to level the playing field and allow community banks to take back C&I market share that we believe is rightfully theirs. Um, so once again, what has COVID done uh, to ch- kind of change, you know, the, the geography um, and, and what that looks like? I think it was really the onset of COVID that brought a lot of attention to this mass migration pattern of both population and jobs from densely populated, high-tax, high-cost-of-living gateway cities to secondary markets where folks can really kind of seek to, to, you know, or strike a better work-life balance. And the reality is that this trend actually predated COVID and was really starting to take shape around 2015, 2016. And there are plenty of data points to evidence this. Uh, the pandemic just really accelerated a trend that was already underway of people migrating from coastal gateway MSAs to secondary and tertiary growth markets. And to your point, if we want to get even more granular and understand what's the driving force behind this demographic shift, it's the millennial generation. On a, on a personal anecdote, I can, you know, I sit right on the cusp of, of being a millennial, and I go back and forth with whether – I want to identify as one, um, let's call me a maturing millennial for purposes of today's conversation. But, you know, what we saw pre-COVID was increasingly millennials, because of 2008, they had delayed their typical family formation phase, roughly about five years or so. And, you know, I think that there was this misleading Wall Street narrative that this millennial working generation which is now the largest cohort in America, it's around 75 million people strong, by the way, um, was always going to kind of live in Brooklyn, wear skinny skinny jeans, drink (laughs) pumpkin spice lattes, never have children, and kind of just live in an apartment forever. You know, that was the the image that we were all sold, that this generation was going to buck the trends of previous generations. But... The reality is that the millennial family formation phase was simply put on hold. And once again, this was in direct response to the great financial crisis. And what is now happening is that millennials are getting married, they're having children, and they're increasingly making choices about where they want to live, work, and play. They're just doing it later in life. And, you know, they're really arriving at these determinations based on metrics such as quality of life, cost of living, access to single-family homes, access to quality public education options options for the children, and maybe in specific response to COVID, just more space in general. I think in some ways I'm a perfect example of what this looks like. Before moving to Nashville, I lived in New York City for 14 years, and I know that I was ready to get away from that density and that really urban environment. And I think the suburbs and secondary markets really just kind of check a lot of these boxes for many of us. And, of course, one of the boxes it checks is a box of opportunity. Somebody moving from Michigan to Tennessee or from the northeast to the south, that's an opportunity for for banks. And so banking brands, community banking brands. And so I asked Jonathan, how do they compel the loyalty of people who are moving into these new localities, even though they can keep their banking relationships that might be a 1,000 miles away? 
Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question, right? And I think that that's really um, you know the question that the more forward looking community bank CEOs that I'm communicating with are thinking through. You know, kind of using your example, if I'm moving to Tennessee from, say, Michigan, I think the only reason that I stay with the Bank of America is because of the ATMs and their online platform. As a borrower, the only reason I may stay with the big bank is potentially a cost of capital situation. But access to capital and true relationship-driven banking should be the motivating force um, for both com- consumer and commercial customers. Community banks are making decisions at the community level by credit, committee, by, excuse me, by credit committees that are made up of, of local citizens. And, you know, they're essentially approving loans for their neighbors. And, you know, it's not a criticism of the large banks, but those processes are centralized. And so the underwriting is going to take place way outside of the community and they're really just kind of looking at the numbers on the application, which doesn't always tell the complete story. I think that right. in a lot of ways, PPP really amplified the nuance between the big banks and community banks, as community banks are really the lifeblood for small businesses. They were overwhelmingly responsible for PPP distribution, and I think that repositioned them to take market share from larger institutions. And there is an incontrovertible fact, and I've said it many times on this show, without the work that community banks did on Easter weekend 2020, distributing those PPP funds, this country, this country sinks into a great depression. There is absolutely no doubt that community banks reestablished themselves as the go-to brands for small businesses, which is why I think this mass migration could benefit community banks more than any other banking brand, more so than credit unions who don't always do a lot of commercial and business banking. There are exceptions. There are exceptions. And, of course, the big, big centralized banks, the big four community banks, I think moving forward in the next decade and then some have a tremendous opportunity with this mass migration that's occurring in the United States. Finally, I asked Jonathan, boy, moving from Manhattan to Nashville, that's quite a switch of scenery. I asked him, what kind of things does he enjoy doing when he's not working? Oh, man, Nashville um, has been a wonderful landing spot for me for so many reasons. You know, I tell people that, you know, country music does not have to be your preferred genre of music. But good performers are good performers, good musicians are good musicians, good singers are good singers. And you can walk down not just to any of the honky-tonks and hear amazing talent um, and recognize it immediately, but a lot of kind of like offbeat, you know, quieter kind of quieter neighborhoods are still going to have just the most tremendous performers you never knew existed um, coming out from little towns and, and really trying to kind of establish themselves and get that exposure in Nashville. So definitely love taking in all the, uh, the social offerings that, that Nashville has. Um, you know, uh, I also really like traveling. And I know it kind of sounds generic, but, you know, it truly is a part of who I am. I have an extremely curious nature. I think that curiosity has served me um, and is a big part of my personality. And there's no better way, at least for me, to satiate that curiosity than with travel. This year has been a big travel year for me, both work and pleasure. I've been to Scandinavia, Mexico a couple times, Maine, the Carolinas. 
uh, New York City, San Francisco, spent some time in our nation's capital, and I'm actually heading down to you, uh, Texas, tomorrow, where I'll be the remainder of the week. And when you're in Texas, Jonathan, you will be the home of three of the five fastest-growing cities in the country in order, Frisco, Texas, Buckeye, Arizona, number three, New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof, McKinney, Texas, and South Jordan, Utah. So uh, people are making tracks to the great state of Texas, so you'll feel right at home when you get here. I thank Jonathan so much for taking some time to join us on the Power of Performance podcast. Jason, great being with you. Thank you. Great job. And as I mentioned, you can find Jonathan's information right there in the episode description. He spells his name J-O-N, Jonathan, not J-O-H-N. So if you're looking for him on LinkedIn, just be mindful of that. And, of course, I've got the Capstone Bank Tech website also embedded in the episode description. It is undeniable. America is on the move. And we're going to look at that as a graph. You're going to see all of these lines coming from California to Texas, from the northeast to Florida, from the Midwest, upper Midwest, to Nashville and these southern states, because people simply want the freedom to pursue prosperity with as few barriers as possible. And if you're relocating a small business to one of these new locations as part of that mass migration, I think it creates a tremendous opportunity for community banking brands that offer local decision-making on commercial and small business lending. And in case you've never worked at a for-profit bank, that is what keeps the lights on at your community banks. Now, I know we have a, a show that we do with John Wilkening up at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. They did a ton of PPP loans. And so credit unions aren't excluded from this potential, but community banks are uniquely suited to meet the needs of a very diverse, mobile, and young population that is currently on the move across the fruited Plain. Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asked the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more intentionally engage the numerous new residents in your neighborhood if you live in these landing spots for this mobile generation and you will be in business forever. Until next we speak, my name is Jason Dyes and I'll talk to you all next week. Take care. <laughs>